Well, hey, everybody. It is so good to see you. Thank you for being here. Now, no, for some reasoning, I'm feeling the need to introduce myself. Let's see. Uh, we actually, as a team, thought about having a video of me introducing me uh, as a part of the Unforgettable series. But if you're a guest, I'm Brad. It's great to have you here. Thanks for being a part of Unforgettable. And it really has been an awesome series so far, hasn't it? Oh, I mean, the guest communicators have been phenomenal. And a lot of you don't know, a lot of people think, wow, he just goes on a long vacation. But that's not true. I have had some vacation with my family. We went to Traverse City for a week. It was awesome. But this time off the platform really allows me to take a deep dive back into God's Word, um, seeking God for focus for how he wants this ministry to progress in the future because he just doesn't want us, you know, repeating cycles. And I am so excited about the new ministry season as we come into the fall. First of all, we're expanding as a ministry, and here in Plymouth, we're starting a, a fourth service on Saturday night, which is wonderful. So we have now a 416 and a 616. It won't start until September 10th. So, uh, but uh, for you Sunday people, if you're interested in being a part of our mission and going forward, maybe you want to replant yourself in one of our Saturday night services and help us to continue to wake up people here in our community on Saturday night. A lot of you go, why do you start a new service? Well, you know, we need another service to make room, but do you realize when we start a new service, we're building a brand new auditorium without spending a dime? I mean, think about that. What a cheap way to build a new auditorium, right? And so all those open seats so we can be inviting people in to wake them up to Jesus and advance the hope in their life. And maybe you'd like to be a part of that at the 416 or the 616. And if not, thanks for being here uh, on Sunday morning. And also, I'm really excited about the new fall teaching series that God's led me towards. It's, it's, um, it's a really different kind of a series. It's called Chapter 29. And it's really inspired by the book of Acts. And you might not know, but the book of Acts has 28 chapters. And, and it ends very weird. It's like there is no ending to the book of Acts. And the reason is God is still continuing to do his work in and through us. And so we are writing chapter 29. And I'm so excited about talking about the hope of being a part of all that God's doing as we move into the fall. I hope you'll be inviting people and planning on being here as well. But, but this weekend, we... We continue in the Unforgettable series. And, and I, we're going to worship at the end. I hope you please stick around because we have a significant uh, segment of worship planned for the end of the service. But, but as we move towards that, I, I want to introduce you to two words. And these two words have become the unforgettable impact of God in my life. These two words have, have changed me. And I believe that that if all of us can get a grip on these two words and keep our focus on them, they will become unforgettable in ours as well. In fact, I believe that these two words, when put together, become the most important and powerful words in the English language. But God. But God. Those are the two words. In fact, what you may not have ever thought about is that those two words, when put together, become the absolute only source for hope in this world, but God. And the reason is because you and I, as human beings, are very, very limited. We're limited in power, we're limited in ability, we're limited in capacity, we're limited in knowledge, we're limited in where we can be, we can't be in more than one place at one time, and and we're limited in time. Everything we do, even if everything we do is great, it's only temporary. And even if everything we experience in life is great, it's only temporary, which means it can't all be great. I mean, we are so limited. There's so much that's impossible for us. There's so much that's beyond us. Listen. But God. Look at Luke 18, verse 27. Luke chapter 18, verse 27, and it says this, What is impossible with man, what is impossible for us, is possible with God. Why are those two words put together, but God, the, the only source for hope in this world? Because God is the only one that is bigger than the permanent endings that we face in this world. 
It's because God is the only one that's, that's bigger than all of the impossible challenges and, and fights that we must go through in this world. But God, it's an awesome deal, isn't it? And so when I really started rotating through in my summer study this time, these two words just captivated me as I started reading through the book of Acts. And I've just been going through it and going through it and asking God to speak to me. It's, it's like I, I came across this reality that Jesus is the great but God. He really is. You, you realize, don't you, that Jesus died. I mean, he experienced all the, the cruelty and disappointments that this world has to offer. The betrayals and daggers in the back and the injustice and the, the failures. And then ultimately he was nailed to a cross and he, and he died. Now listen. But God. And it just jumped out of Acts to me. Look at Acts chapter 2, verses 23 and 24. It says, this man, speaking of Jesus, was, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death, and the worst kind of death, by nailing him to the cross. I mean, that is, talk about defeat, talk about failure, talk about injustice, talk about the end of hope, the end of promise, the end of everything. They Put him to death on the cross. And then the next verse starts with those two words that become the most powerful words in the English language. And I, I want you to say them with me because these are the life-changing words that we have available to us. Ready? They nailed him to the cross and he died. But God. Those two words change everything. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Do you realize it's impossible for us to find hope in this world because we can't overcome the challenges, the betrayals, the failures, the injustices, the death of the... We can't. It's impossible. But it's impossible for failure to keep its grip on Jesus. It's impossible for injustice to keep its grip on Jesus. It's impossible for death to keep its grip on Jesus. Yes, the world betrayed him and killed him. But God raised him from the dead. This is hope. This is where hope is from. There's a lot to be discouraged at looking at this world. There is no hope in this world but God. And it kind of changes the whole deal. So what I want you to see is that the, the, the great but God of, of the world, Jesus, the hope of the world, has changed everything for us. And I just kind of want to give you three areas that I just believe that, that hold us in defeat so much, that keep us in despair so much, but, but don't have to because of what God can deliver into our lives. The first one's failure. Uh, failure's pretty common to all of us, right? Failure's common to me. And what I've learned in my lifetime in this world is that failure, well, it's final. I mean, once I, I fail, people only see me through the lens of that failure. Have you ever experienced this? Failure's final. But God... The only thing that can change our identity from being just a bunch of failures is an interaction with the God who can transform failure into something entirely new. But God. And I'll just prove it to you, okay? He, um, Peter, one of the original followers of Jesus, Peter was a failure. At, I mean, just before Jesus died, he, Peter was, you know, putting his foot in his mouth like he did so often. And he said, you know, I want you to know, Jesus, I love you more than all these other dudes. First of all, really? I mean, I, I love you more than all of these. And Jesus says, you know, you're going to deny me. And he goes, no, 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 no. These losers might. And I'm not kidding. He really, he, he doesn't say losers. But I mean, this is what he's saying. He's going, these losers might, but I love you more than all these. And I will never, ever deny you and then he denied him three times in the face of Jesus persecution and ultimate death I mean Peter was a 
failure. But God made him a saint. They built a basilica in Rome for this dude. Do you know how much art there is of Peter with like halos on his head? He's just a failure. That's all he is. He's a failure. But God. Paul the apostle was a failure. Do you realize he was so lost in his religion that he could no longer see or embrace the values of God. And in the name of his religion, he was Killing the people that were following his God, Jesus. I mean, killing them. I mean, persecuting them, ruining their life, trying to destroy them. And he, to try and find some sense of satisfaction, he was going from city to city to city to destroy these people. And even nodding at their death, Paul was a failure. The worst of the worst. But God made him a saint. Do you know he wrote most of the New Testament Bible? There was this woman in the Bible who, the only way she could be described because she made such bad choices in her life was as an adulteress. She, she made one messed up choice after another. She was defined as a failure in her world. You can read about her in John chapter 8 and the world had totally dismissed her as having any value whatsoever. She was a worthless commodity and religion lost its value of love, wanted to end her life and and threw her in total arrogance at the feet of Jesus and said, we should kill her. And Jesus, unlike the world and unlike religion, saw her and loved her and gave her new life. You see, the adulterous woman was a failure, but God, and here's what we need to understand. We're her. Every single one of us. Failures. Oh, we put on the image of something else, and sometimes we close ourselves with the religion and even, you know, start being convinced ourselves that we're better than others. And the truth is, we're just abject failures. And that's why we're so often filled with emptiness. That's why we're always begging God to give us more, to fill the emptiness that rules us, and the more never fills the emptiness. It's because we are so absolutely destroyed by our own messed up choices. But God, God can take all of the bad choices and all the emptiness and all that we've thrown away and he can instead fill us with hope. In fact, here, here's some good news. I, good news for me at least. Did you know the only people that God loves are failures? You know why, right? Because that's all there are. Did you know the only, and when, when, I grew up in churches where there was a bunch of religious arrogance. Have you ever been exposed to spiritual and religious arrogance? Doesn't it just make you want to puke? Because you let those people say, you're just a failure pretending to be somebody when you could acknowledge that you're a failure and experience the great but God creating something in you. And this is who we are. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It's a great passage, verse 27 through 29. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one can boast before him. I'm going to tell you, I know for a fact that God has called me and God has chosen me and that God has loved me, but that is not a statement of my goodness. That is a statement of my desperate need. The reason so few people experience God's hope in their life is because they're unwilling to acknowledge that they're the foolish and they're the lowly and they're the weak and they're the tragically broken. Do you realize that the only failure that's final? We've all failed. We're all a mess. But the only failure that's final is the one that's not turned over to God. 
which is why I love 1 John 1, 9. And this is written, just so you know, this is written to the church. This isn't written to the people who don't know Jesus. This is written to the, the people who claim to be Christ's father. This is written to people like us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. If we're willing to acknowledge our failures and our mess-ups and our choices, then we can experience his hope. But God. So failure used to be final, but, but God. There's another thing in this world that's really, it really robs us of hope. I mean, I, I don't know about you, we're in a political cycle now and news all around the world with the terrorism that's going on. Again, we, I've had the privilege of going to Turkey on a bunch of occasions because it's where much of the Bible was lived out. And once again, we just saw this devastation in Turkey and it's happening time and time again. And it just, it, I don't know about you, but it's just, I mean, I look at the world and all that's going on in the world right now and I, it's just, it grieves me just grieves me. I look at the course of relationships and the course of family and the course of business and the course of politics, the course of culture, the course of values, the course, I mean, it just, I just, it just fills me with despair. It's just so dark, doesn't it, you? This is a world of injustice. And injustice is final. Who's going to turn this thing around? Bad things happen to good people. Have you noticed this? Life's not fair. Some of the best people in the world are the people most betrayed by the world. Jesus is a great example of this. And I mean, you just look at this and say, and even when someone good is trying to turn it around, it's like it, it turns on them. And, and injustice is final. But God, do you, do you realize that there is no hope in this world because all there is in this world is failure and justice and, and it's always temporary. There is no hope in this world but God. In fact, know this. We keep looking for hope in this world and there's no hope to find in this world. What we need to realize that hope is found in Jesus so we're not going to find it in the world but it can live in us if we let him. You're not going to find hope in economy. You're not going to find hope in a presidential candidate. You're not going to find hope in a different educational system. You're not going to find hope. Not that any of these things are wrong. They will not allow you to find hope. Because hope's not in this world. Hope's in Jesus. And Jesus can be in you. But God. Those are the two words that can change our world. And so here's the thing. We have to understand this reality. This world is ruled by injustice and it can really lead to tons of despair. It, it's a great thief of hope in our lives, but God has given us hope even in a world filled with injustice. Look at Romans 12, 19. Don't, don't take revenge, my dear friends. Don't try and achieve justice on your own. It'll only turn things around and you'll become unjust. But leave room for God's wrath for it's written, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Do you realize... And I know things have happened wrong for you. I know that things have gone wrong. I know life's not fair. I know you feel ripped off. I know because we are human beings living in an unjust world. But, but God, do you know that he can make all things right? Did you know he will make all things right for you? Forever and ever and ever? There's a great passage in scripture that very few people have an ability to believe. And it's because they don't remember but God, yes, this world is fail, a failing world, and yes, this world is an unjust world, but God. And the verse is Romans 8, 28, and we know that in him all things work together for good to those who love him who are the called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. Doesn't say all things are good. All things aren't good. That's stupid. But all things can work together for good because, see, even failure when given to God can be turned to good. Even injustice when given to God can be turned to good. And isn't Jesus the great example of this? The greatest injustice that ever happened on the planet was the fact that this loving God who created the world and came down to redeem the world, to share truth, to share love, unconditionally was brutalized and betrayed and mocked and nailed to a cross. It's the greatest injustice in the history of the world, but God raised him from the dead. 
And I know you experience injustice. I know you feel it. But hey, God can take the worst failure of your life and the worst injustice ever to be experienced in your life and he can turn it into something good when you turn it over to him. In fact, the only failure that is final is the one that's not turned over to God and the only injustice that is final is the one that's not turned over to God. It's time that those of us who know Jesus start living with the hope of Jesus in us even in a world of failure and injustice. And this is one last gig. We live in a world of failure. We live in a world of injustice. We live in a world of death. And I, I, I don't want to soft pedal this thing and I don't want to cover it with, with some kind of fairy tale. Death is the most horrific experience that any of us will ever face personally or any of us will ever face through our loved ones leaving us. I talked about death in an abstract way until my dad died. And I'm going to tell you, when my dad died, it became an entirely different monster for me. I, I didn't even know I had the capacity to feel grief in the way I felt it, where my guts turned inside out when I lost my dad. It was like, I just can't even, I can't even explain it. Death is final. Death is the great loss. Death is the great tragedy. And I know people make light of it and, and try and act like it's not a big deal. But they can't explain to me why Jesus Christ himself, when standing in front of the grave of his best friend Lazarus, one of his great friends, Lazarus, even though he knew he was going to raise him from the dead, they can't explain to me why Jesus was weeping in front of his tomb. And I'll tell you why. Because it's nothing but the illustration of all this world has to offer. It's despair. It's darkness. It's death. It's devastating. Death is final. But God. And there it is. But God. It doesn't have to be our final agony. It doesn't have to be the final part of our story. Death is final for human beings. It's impossible for us to do anything about it, but God. And a lot of people don't understand this. They celebrate Easter once a year, you know. And yeah, Jesus rose from the dead. What's that have to do with me? Give me a job. Tell you what it has to do with you. Do you realize the resurrection of Jesus Christ wasn't a one-off? I mean, we read these Bible stories, right? We read Jonah got swallowed by a whale. First of all, the Bible doesn't say Jonah got swallowed by a whale. It was a big fish. A heck of a big fish. I think it was a two-room apartment fish, quite frankly. I don't know. But it was a one-off. Has it ever happened again? No. Will it? Why would it? God's not into repeating himself. Been there, done that. Boring. <laughs> I mean, the fish story, it's a one-off. How come God doesn't do that today? You want to get swallowed by a fish? What kind of weirdo are you? You know, you're just like weird. We're always at, and then, you know, God, God, how about the flood thing? How come that doesn't happen today? God, God did it already. One-off. But I'm going to tell you, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not a one-off thing. Do you realize that the only Jesus, only reason Jesus raised from the dead was to be the first fruit for all who would follow? I mean, all of us get to raise from the dead. Look, look at 1 Corinthians 15, 20. It was the beginning of something new for all of us, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Death is final, but God. In fact, they're in front of Lazarus' tomb, weeping because of the devastation of death, the grief of death. But we don't have to grieve without hope anymore because of God. Jesus said this, I'm the resurrection and the life. And the one who turns their life over to me, the one who trusts in me, will live. Even though they die, you're still living. And whoever lives by believing in me will never really die. Do you believe this? He's going, How can we never really die? Because this life is not all there is of life. When you lay down in this life, you're stepping into a brand new story. Death is final, but God, 
It doesn't have to own us. Failure owns us. Injustice owns us. Death owns us. It paralyzes. It fills our life with shadows and darkness and devastation. And most of us are absolutely lost in it. But God can change all of that. There's hope available. Not in this world. But if God gave me a new home, then I'd have hope. No, you wouldn't. Then you'd have a bigger piece of crap to take care of. But if God gave me a new wife, then I'd be happy. Uh, no. The same thing that happened with the third wife would happen with the eighth wife. I mean, seriously. Well, if God gave me a new job, then I'd have hope. No, you wouldn't. There are people who come to Northridge and they think, finally, I'm going to work at a great place. It's a great job. And then they find out I'm the boss. It sucks. Look at, you keep praying for God to give you something that will give you hope. He's already given you the only thing that can give you hope. Jesus in you. Jesus. So let's be honest. I, I, I don't like the soft pedal stuff like religion often. Life is hard. It's difficult. It's often a tragedy. It's built on failure after failure, injustice after injustice, and it ends with dying. And when you finally find something or someone precious, you lose it because you lose them. Life's hard, but, but as true as that is, and as much despair as that can produce, I have two words that can change your world, but God. That's where hope comes from. God is able to breathe hope into our lives in the most hopeless situation and God is able to author new beginnings in our life and new life for us if we'll let him if we'll let him and there's the deal and I just, I just want to point this out before I bring this in to a personal application do you know what I've been talking about here is the only reason church exists I mean why do we gather together and get in places like this you we think, oh, well, you know, it makes me feel better, it does this. I'm going to tell you, there's only one reason Northridge exists. There's only one reason we get together. Like Only one reason. And it's so that we can introduce into a world of failure that's final and injustice that's final and death that's final that we can continually reach into it and remind people that, yes, those are final, but God. We've organized around advancing hope. That's, that's what we're organized for. We're in, in our community. Our community is in desperate need for hope. You know about how the family is and life is. and organ, neighbor, I mean, my gosh, education is around us. Well, we've organized so that we can get together as a weekend service in our community. And we have men's ministry and women's ministries and young married's ministries and all the things that we do and care ministries because in a world of hopelessness, we're able to say but God that's why we're here you can still have hope we've organized so that we can we can declare future hope I, I, I care so deeply about the next generation and I don't know about you but when I look at this world and it doesn't seem to be going like this anymore does it it seems to be going like this and it, no it seems to be going like that usually during a presidential cycle there's some hope in the air I don't know about you but bleh. I don't see a lot of hope for the future. I fear for my grandkids. But God, I believe that the next generation can be the greatest generation to ever walk on this planet, not because they are or of this world, but because God can do it. And I want to be a catalyst for that. But God. This is why we do student ministries, and this is why we do next-gen ministries, we, kids' ministry. We want to 
but God that generation so that they can find hope. And we do the same thing with global and local. Why do we go into the inner city? Why do we go into Detroit? Why do we go into Zambia? Why do we go around the world? Why do we try and fight poverty, which is always with us, and, and, and the orphan problem, and, and the criminal justice problem, and the problems of racial tension that are so rampant in our world, and so disgustingly unjust? Why do we do it? Because we believe that there's, there's no hope in those things but God. And we believe that when we take Jesus into any part of the world, that we can insert hope into a place of hopelessness. And that's why we do what we do. And I just encourage you, I mean, we're trying to really illustrate this. We put together a brochure, if you're at all interested, that talks about these areas of hope and how we do it. You can get it at guest services. You can get it on the discovery wall. You can see it online. But hope is the whole point. But, but let me make it personal for you, and then we're going to go to worship. Without God in this world, you are without hope. It's just that simple. Ephesians 2.12 says it. Remember that at the time you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, you, you had no hope because you were without God. And I, I believe that in every season of our life where we're finding ourselves defeated by failure and injustice and death and and we're living in despair, it's because in that moment, we're trying to do life without God. But we don't have to live there anymore. Do you realize that on our own, every single one of us is without God? Because Romans 3.23 says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of God. We've pushed God out of our world. It's our great failure. You know why it's a world of failure? Because we've failed. You know why it's a world of unjustness? Because we've been unjust. And you know what the result of it is, right? Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Of course. Despair, the lack of hope, destruction, of course. Because when you kick hope out, you have despair. When you kick life out, you have death. And God is those things. For the wages of sin is death, but God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so here's what we need to do. We need to admit we're failures, that we're unjust, that we're dying, we're dead. And we need to then experience God. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, they become a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. The old is gone, the new has come. Failure is gone, hope has come. Injustice is gone, and hope has come, and death is gone, but... Hope has come. Too many of us are living defeated by failure, unjustness, and death. When all along, we have Jesus, the hope living in us. It's time to be defined by the new. Can I ask you, what's defining your life? Well, whatever it is, but God. And I just want to encourage you in this moment to realize the choice is yours. You say, no, the world's just done it to me. No, the, world, the world's a failure. The world's unjust. The world's a place of death. We all experience it to varying degrees. The world's not your problem. The circumstances you've been given aren't the problem. The hand you've been dealt is not the problem. I'm sorry, it's not the problem because there's not hope in any of that stuff. The problem is that you haven't yet chosen to experience but God this is your moment so just before we go into worship would you bow with me in a word of prayer would you just bow with me in just a word of prayer and if you're a believer already I know for a fact that many of you because I do this have been living without God even though you're one of his children confess it let him back in let hope live and if you're here and you've not yet met Jesus pray with me take my words make them yours right now just say Jesus I need hope I am a failure I have sinned I know shame and guilt and emptiness but I don't know hope but I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and rose again to give me new life and hope and so I'm putting my trust I'm putting my trust in you I'm asking you to save me 
In Jesus' name, amen. If you just pray with me, I just can't encourage you enough to let me know. I, I, we put together an information packet about things you can do to go forward in your next steps. And all you have to do, it's easy. We make it so easy. This isn't, you don't have to jump through a bunch of church hoops. All you have to do is like fill out this connection card that's in your program. And on the bottom, there are two checks that you can make. One just says, for the first time, I prayed to let Jesus in, hope in, and I'd like to know where to go there. And the other one's, I renewed my faith. I let Jesus back in and want to go forward from there. And all you do is drop it in the boxes as you're leaving, and then we'll send you that letter of information. Please, please let us know if you took that step. But here's what I want you to remember as we go into worship. There's a lot of hopelessness in this world. There's a lot of hopelessness in this world, and there's always been a lot of hopelessness in this world because a world without God in it is a world of hopelessness. But remember, God wasn't built to be in the world. He was built to be in each and every one of us. And when he's in us, even in a world without God and without hope, we can be filled with hope. And that's when life begins. So why wouldn't we build our life on that hope? I think we should.
is the only thing stronger than fear. You need hope, and hope is something that you have to build up within yourself. The world is a hurting place, and the world needs hope, and the world needs love. Without hope, you feel like, why are we here? The definition of hope in the world, in any language, is it may happen and it may not. I hope it will, but I don't know if it will or not. That's not the definition of the Bible word hope. Glory. It means it is guaranteed to come to pass, even though we don't know the time that it will happen. It's gonna come. Jesus is coming. He is the blessed hope. Where do you find this hope? Verse 11 says, I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans I have for you. Now, why is that important? Because God says, I still have plans. As a Christian, I have hope not just for this life, but for the life to come. Easter points us beyond the tragedy of the cross to the hope of the empty tomb. It tells us that there's hope for eternal life, for Christ has conquered death. And it also tells us that God has triumphed over evil and death and hell. This is our hope, and it can be your hope as well. My prayer for you today is that you will feel the loving arms of God wrapped around you and will know in your heart that he will never forsake you. Hosanna, yeah, Hosanna, clap, Hosanna, hands together, everybody, to 
died. Jesus died. But then he rose. And rose again. Jesus yeah. died. Yeah. Jesus died. Jesus died. And rose again. But he rose Jesus from the dead. Jesus died. Jesus died. And rose again. But he rose from the dead. Yeah. All right, so. Jesus died for us. We're going to celebrate a real love. Anybody experienced a real love in Jesus? Just wave your hand like this. All right. <laughs> Here we go. Come on, put your hands together like this. Staring into your eyes makes my heart come alive. Suddenly brought to life when I met you. It's a new song, but it's a good one. Reaching beyond the skies, running deep, stretching wide. Perfect love realized here with you. Y'all ready to praise him? Let's go. Now this love is for real. You will never let go. Never let go. It's more than just words of beyond my control Child of control Here we go, hands up This is real love This is real love Come on, put them high with us. See you next week as we continue, continue our unforgettable series. God bless you.